Acuna. Welcome to Expat Hoops, where we talk to basketball players who have played professionally overseas. Maurice Creek joins us today, whose career has taken him around Europe after a career at Indiana and GW. Tony is on vacation this week, but he wanted to remind you to be interactive with us at Expat Hoops as we continue to grow the pod. Follow and interact with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and comment on the videos below. Now, if you'll join me in welcoming to Mo to Expat Hoops. Welcome, Mo. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. Um, we actually had some feedback from the GW boards, actually sort of a listener question, if you will. Uh, so we will go back a little bit before even your college career and overseas career. Um, you're a local guy, Maryland guy, um, recruitment at Indiana. Originally, you were highly rated to recruit from this area, probably could have gone to any school in the country. Why, uh, then rebuilding program like Indiana, did you consider Maryland or Georgetown while you were in high school? Uh, Maryland was, uh, my favorite school to, to be honest. And, um, they gave the scholarship away that I was supposed to have to, uh, a guy's name was Sean Mosley and he was a year before me. And um, that kind of derailed my chances of like being in the, at a school in this area. Cause I, I, I like Georgetown, but I was, I was more fond of Maryland at the time. And uh, that's why I really wanted to go. Um, but going into, into like Indiana, it was just more so of it's a basketball state. Um, you talk about the, the, the colleges that's in Indiana, Purdue, Indiana, Indiana State, uh, Notre Dame, like all these schools are are there and they really care about basketball a lot. The history at Indiana University was uh, everything that I was looking for into a school. I knew um, that it was a rebuilding year for us, but as time goes on, that we'll pick up and be at the stage that we need to be at. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And uh you know, unfortunately, I didn't feel like I was a part of that because of the injuries and stuff like that. But before that, I definitely appreciated my time. Yeah, and actually, that was a, that was a second part of the, the listener question um, was actually kind of talking about your your experience at IU and, and the injuries, um, several significant injuries that you overcame. I know that, uh, you know, going back on the research that I saw quotes from Coach Crean that said that, you know, basically you gave everything that you had and. Um, you know, it's, it's a great story that you just, you're always fighting through it. Um, but the question from the GW commenter was essentially your recruitment to GW after all the injuries and setbacks in Indiana, if you could kind of talk a little bit about that, what was that like? Yeah, it was, it was a great, um, you know, they, they welcomed me with open arms and because they're at the house, uh, close to my house, um, it was just even better. Uh, it was a couple of colleges that were looking at me, you know, Texas, Marshall, and it was George Washington. And I really liked Texas a lot. I didn't even, uh, I went on a visit. No, I didn't go on a visit. I didn't go on a visit to Texas, but, um, I did go on the visit to GW, uh, when I, uh, was in the city. And what they told me was that they, I was what they were missing. So when a coach tells you that and has all this belief and faith in you, that draws you in as a basketball player. And, you know, for me to be at the house, for my family to see, uh, that that made it even more predominant that I wanted to go to the school. And just the players and the coaching staff alone just made me feel like I was a family member to that, to that university. And um, 
everybody loved me there. I loved everybody else there. You know, we was a big family, and that's what you want when you go into a college. Here's an interesting question for you, or at least I think it's an interesting question. So what you you kind of hear from time to time recruits being told you're the missing piece. Um, and in that regard, you had been through recruiting once before to get to Indiana. Um, so you had the experience of going through it. Was it something that they kind of told you exactly that not only are you the missing piece, but was it something that they actually sat down with you and said, this is how we're looking to utilize you? Or was it, was it just something general that you're the missing piece? They, they had everything that they needed. Um, they needed one more piece to the puzzle. And that was a, a score that at, at will score, you know, and that's where I came into play. Um, and that's what Coach Lonigan told me. He was like, we recruited you because we knew that you could score the basketball. And, you know, this would be a perfect uh, opportunity. We didn't care about, you know, the injuries that you had went through. We know you could still play the game. And, you know, we, we, we believe in you. And that's what you want to hear, um, that somebody believes in you as a basketball player when they're recruiting you as you being one of their guys. So after hearing all that, it was just me playing with the guys that, uh, you know, getting a feel for them and how they play. We had a great point guard in Joe McDonald. We had uh, two very athletic wings and uh, Patricio Garino and uh, Keith and Savage. We had two dogs as big men um, with uh, Kevin Larson and, and uh, Isaiah Armwood. And that was basically the core to our uh to our um to our team and that's why we were winning because they had everything else but a, a lockdown shooter and a and a score that's a lockdown shooter and that's where I came into play. And um no I was I'm happy that I went there. So this actually is a really good segue. Uh another aspect of this listener's question wanted to get you to talk about the shot you hit with less than a second left to beat Maryland at the BBD Classic. Right there, that gives you the opportunity to talk about uh, not only your ability as a scorer, but uh, what that experience was like for you and the team. Oh, it was great. Um, I always felt like it was personal. Uh, when I was at Indiana University my freshman year, we played them, and I, we lost. And uh, I knew we didn't have enough to beat them. And that's when they had Grievous Vasquez and uh, Eric Hayes, their backup. <clears throat> backcourt I mean and um when I when I lost that game I felt hurt because I knew how bad I wanted to go there and I knew the person that took the scholarship from me at that period of time he was on that team so for 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 me to have a great game but to lose to them that hurt so that whole the night before we played Maryland I was in the gym working out all day on the shot that I hit against Maryland the same move, the exact same scenario. I f was filling it out like it was the exact same scenario. It just happened to come to life. And so when it um, when it happened like that, I was, you know, came to coaching. He was drawing up the play for Joe. And I was like, coach, you know, um, if you give me the ball right here, I'm going to end it. We're not going to go in overtime in the game right here. I already knew what move I was going to do, how I was going to do it how it was going to play out. So if I missed it, at least I did it the way that I, that I already was prepared to do it. And I just happened to hit the shot. And 
like I said, it was always a it was always a personal thing between me and Merlin because of the situation. And I'm just happy that it just happened to happen right there in at at our home, at our home base, and you know, right right by the crib. <laughs> that's great. That was actually an even better response than I was even hoping to get. So that's a really interesting insight. Um we could continue to talk about college quite a bit, but part of the reason why we do this pod is to kind of bridge the gap from what your college career was to what you've been up to the last you know several years now. So uh, actually kind of echoing the earlier question, you know, you're a highly rated recruit. I'm sure that going pro was always something that, you know, was a goal of yours. Um, the question I think that we kind of struggle with a little bit, it's a little bit different. At what point, in your college career, did you actually start thinking to yourself, okay, this is the, the path I want to go down in terms of pro um, and what might be available to me, like whether that's, you know, getting an agent, looking into opportunities, you know, either flirting with the NBA or looking to go overseas. What did that look like for you when you actually really started to get serious from bridging the gap from I've always wanted to go pro to, all right, I actually, I actually have to do this. Yeah, it was, it was a big gap. Um, I didn't know where I was going to stand or lane, honestly. Um, I always felt like I was an NBA player. Uh, I still do to this day, you know, just watching the games, stuff like that. I know I can go out there and play with those guys. But you know the NBA game is very political. It's very much so of, like, they have to be willing to give you a shot. And, if they, I mean, when you get that shot, you got to be willing to put everything on the line to take that shot. I just never got the opportunity to really get pushed off to say, oh, we're going to actually go ahead and give you a shot at being on this team and me either having to lose it on my own or make it on my own. I have never got that shot. So I've always been an overseas basketball player. And, you know, over the years that I've played overseas, I've done damage everywhere I've been at I've done damage even on the teams that I was you know had losing records on nobody can honestly say that I didn't do my part when it came to me being on the team so um just never got the shot to the to the ultimate level and uh you know injuries is is a a part of it you know everybody wants somebody that's young and, and healthy um that's the that's that's the just the nature of the game when it comes to the NBA but, you know, the teams that took me when I was overseas, they know who I am and how I am and uh, what I bring to a team. And, uh, you know, saying so for the next team that picks me up, I'm going to do the same exact thing. going to be the same exact person and, uh, you know, be- bring that winning spirit to a team that, you know, teams need to, to get above everybody else. So at what point in your college career did you actually start looking at whether it was exploring the avenue for the NBA or just saying, okay, overseas is going to be the the path that I take, you know, maybe with the idea that still I'm going to leave my options open for the NBA, but what did that look like for you? Was there anybody um, either on the staff at, at GW or anything like that that said, hey, I know some agents you should talk to X, Y, or Z? Uh, no, not really. Um GW was just more so about GW. They didn't really go into that agency field or whatever. Uh, I had to really feel that out on my own. And it was crazy because I uh, I met uh, 
he's not my business partner now, my business manager, but at the time he was my business manager. So I met him. Uh, Vic was having an event and I ended up meeting up with one of the guys. He used to cut hair around the Maryland area. And he set me up with this business guy um, talking to me about my past and my future and stuff like that. And he set me up with this agent uh, for my first year overseas. Um, the agent had already had a lot of NBA guys. And basically what they were telling me was uh, it's going to be very hard for me to get in there just because of all the injuries that I had and stuff like that. And I really wasn't fond of hearing that, but looking at the facts of it all, it was possibly true because nobody has actually said, you know what, we got to give him a shot. You know what I'm saying? So at least he was real with me to tell me how it is as far as, you know, going overseas or playing in the NBA and stuff like that. And Like I said, I always believed in myself, but the fact of the matter is that a lot of people were just looking for who, who, the, who the healthy ones are and who can, you know what I'm saying, play at that level is what they think. You know what I mean? So um, I end up going the overseas route. I don't I'm not knocking it. I'm not mad about it at all. Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, what I'm saying? it was it was just the life that I chose. I think I think I found out I was a overseas player was going to be an overseas player when I didn't get uh, invited to the Portsmouth Invitational for seniors. And I was very upset about that um, because I knew that I was supposed to be one of those guys that was supposed to be uh, invited to that. And all the NBA scouts was there. So now you miss that shot and you already not uh, thinking, thinking to yourself, like they are already probably knocking me because of my injuries and stuff like that. It just puts you in that boat to be an overseas basketball player. Yeah. That's actually kind of an interesting point. Not only would injuries be something at least from the outside looking in, and I, I could easily be wrong, but one of the things that when you look at, you know, the NBA draft, a lot of times, whether you're a third or fourth year player, whether you have injuries or not, there's not very many of those players selected. It always seems to be like they draft on more potential of what they think somebody could be, not necessarily where your ability is at. So like in any given year on any given roster in the NBA, first of all, it may not necessarily be the most talented person. There could be people playing overseas that have made the choice. Look, I'd rather have the guaranteed contract for the year. I know I'm going to get paid this amount as opposed to, I don't want to be like one of the last people on the roster and I don't have to want to have to worry about, are they going to cut me or not? So it's kind of an interesting choice that um, I think it's a misconception sometimes where people that either go overseas, it's not necessarily that they couldn't handle themselves in the NBA. It's just that, there are certain spots that I think that the, the NBA kind of looks at as sort of like developmental or, or potential uh, roster spots. So that's an interesting conversation in and of itself. I'm Father Campbell. Listen to my interview with Expat Hoops on YouTube and your favorite podcasting platform. Hosted on by George Podcasting Network. And follow Expat Hoops on Twitter for their latest content. You have an interesting, interesting career path as well that I really want to get into. Uh, we talked about this a couple days ago a little bit, but your first job 
was a little bit interesting. Um, I think it's the first time we've ever had anybody that has had the team go bankrupt on them in the middle of the year. And on top of that, it's your first experience playing overseas. Take us through what that experience was like. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, the reason why I say it was crazy, we, the right before the team announced that they were going to go bankrupt, we had just beat the number one team in the league and we were 10 and two or 10 and three or something like that. We had, a core, it was three rookies on that team, and all three of us were Americans. Well, they, we were all three, all three of us was the top three scorers in that league. So um, I was averaging like 19 at the time. My boy Cole Dickerson was averaging like 20, and I think Brandon was averaging like 16 or 17. And it was the one, two, and four. And, um, we were playing so well, but we always felt like something was wrong. And I just never really wanted to get into it because of the fact, like, I was just like, uh, you know what I'm saying? I want to, I don't want to worry about the business part of it unless I'm not getting paid. Um, I just want to play basketball, do what I need to do and go about it that way. But uh, when we started playing the games and months and stuff started going by, we weren't getting paid. Now people was having concerns. So, you know, they try to do like little events here and there to try to raise money too so that everybody can get paid on time and stuff like that. And they just could not do it. So after that game or whatever, we were so excited and whatnot. But the next day we were supposed to have practice and we just wouldn't have practices. And uh, we had a meeting up in the Oval Office and they was talking about they were going to uh, have the team go bankrupt and everybody was mad. So now I was – a lot of the guys, um, you know, they can just go to another team. They they were from Amsterdam. They were from the Netherlands. So they can just go ahead and ship over to another team, right? Brandon had already called his agent. He had got him another gig, so he left. Uh, Cole did the same thing. He got his stuff and packed up and left. I was stuck there because <laughs> I, was, I was sitting there worrying about what next job was I going to get and stuff like that. My uncle, Uncle uh, Tim Timothy Hinton, he's a famous painter. He lived in Amsterdam. I was legitly going to my uncle's house and staying with him sometimes and would go back to my apartment just to get out of the uh, get out of that area and stuff like that. So um I think like maybe a couple of weeks had went by. Uh, another team, the top team, we had just beat them uh, called ZZ Light, and we had just beat them. They hit me up and was like, hey, you know what I'm saying, we want to put you on our team. And so I had went over there with them. And we had an okay year. We, You know what I'm saying, we had lost uh, to um, the Euro FIBA Cup team, now Gron again. We had lost to them in the playoffs. Uh, but we had a we had an okay year that year. I mean, it, for me, it was just a rebuilding, trying to rebuild and get myself together type of year. But uh, it was very interesting. Yeah, that's your first year overseas, and I, that's really lucky because I I didn't realize that there was the family connection there. I know it was a situation where you you joined on with another team, like within the the uh, 
the the league, but it took a little bit of time to get there, uh, you know, between the bankruptcy and actually being able to sign with that team. So that actually is really fortunate. And it also probably is something it might explain why you didn't necessarily go back home um, because, you know, you're looking to get another job and you want to be over there as quick as possible as an overseas player, because they want to know that you're available like now. Now. Yep. Yep. So uh, interesting first year, other than what was going on on the court, um, was it something that you were able to uh, get to see the country a little bit while you were there? I mean, I, I know that having a job situation is a little bit uncertain like that, so you may not necessarily get to travel if you're not being paid. But what was your life like adjusting in that first season uh, outside of what was going on with the bankruptcy and switching teams? Yeah, I, um, I had a blast in Amsterdam. Um, I loved it there. Honestly, it was it was it was great. You know, just the people were very welcoming and, you know, you always had stuff to do out there. And it was it was one of my favorite, more favorite countries, to, uh, you know, to to visit, honestly. And my, like I said, my uncle was there at the time and um, he showed me around to a lot of spots in Den Haag. And uh, it was just great. It was it was a great culture. So here's a question. Had you really traveled outside the country before your first season uh, abroad? No, I've never. I, I'm No, I'm lying on that. I had went to Puerto Rico with Indiana University, but I didn't get to travel like, you know, for say, like trying to sightsee and stuff like that. It was about business. But now when you, uh, you know, when you don't you had a time on your hands and you're in, in Amsterdam now you have time to actually travel and kind of see what you know saying what goes on in the area and stuff like that and get accustomed to the area so um that was actually my first time actually being able to sightsee and all that other type of stuff in that area yeah and even with Puerto Rico that's kind of like traveling abroad light where it's still technically a US territory even if they might be speaking Spanish a lot more often you know, mm-hmm. kind of has some sort of overseas flair to it, or out of country flair to it, but it's still, still technically ultimately in America. Whereas, like that, yeah, that really kind of does put you your first experience, and you had to deal with all that in your first season too. So certainly yeah. made you a little bit stronger in the overseas journey. Second job uh, finishing um, out, or second season rather, uh, you go from uh, the the Netherlands to Denmark. Uh, take us through what that second season was like for you and getting to play in Denmark. Uh, it was great. I like Copenhagen. Um, that's another one of them cities where, you know, it's a lot of things to do. And um, it was great. And what also made me sane in uh, Denmark was um, I got to meet uh, one of the girls that was on the girls team. Uh, she was from our area. She played at Eleanor Roosevelt and she was a beast. So I had to, I would always go watch her games, stuff like that. We become, we became best friends. One, like, that's like my road dog. Like, uh, she's actually the assistant coach for Dayton's women's team now. And um, her name is Olivia Applewhite. And uh, she would tell you, like, even the times that it was nothing to do, like, we would just end up just doing something, going somewhere and just talking and chatting up. And you know what I'm saying? We kept each other, uh, like saying and you know saying try to keep each other humble and keep each other motivated to winning uh for our teams and stuff like that because it was it was tough for both of us like both of our teams were just young and so we were both losing and we were 
overly frustrated because a lot of the pressure was on us. So when we were losing, like for on both sides, they were looking at us like, why are we losing? Like, and she was averaging like 25 and 13. And at that time I was averaging like 23. And we were doing everything that we could. We just could not get no wins off. So uh, Denmark is special to me because you never know who you're going to meet on the opposite side where they could become one of the good friends of yours. And it was good basketball. They had great teams in that league. Just uh, for them, they had just more talent than what we had. And that, that kind of speaks to something that we've dealt with on this podcast before. The, the role of the importer, the American, is that you are expected to carry a, a large, large weight. I mean, it's something that, you know, when you go from, uh, you know, GW, where they're asking you to be a scorer, but there's certainly talent around you versus yeah. sometimes you go to some of these leagues and you're asked to do a lot, uh, like on yeah. your own. And like you said, wins or losses are ultimately kind of up to you, even though you're putting up the points that are are basically holding up your end of the deal. Right, right. Um, so after your year in Denmark, uh, you do have a little bit of flirtation with the G League, um, but ultimately then you wind up in Germany, uh, usually high-level basketball there as well, probably the highest level actually to this point in your career. Um, take us through what that year was like in Germany. Uh, Germany was... I want to say weird to me. Reason why? Because I had, I got to that team so late that the success that I had, I knew it was just off of the fact that I knew how to play basketball. Um, I, it was, it was to a point where they were winning and losing. We actually lost a lot, but we were so connected as a as a as a unit that. We just was fighting hard. We just didn't, again, didn't have the talent enough to beat teams that other teams had. You know what I mean? So, again, I just did my part uh, with that team. And and I'm another thing, I mean, I met one of my TBT teammates, Eric Thompson. That was the first time I met ET. And we've grown up to be brothers ever since. So it's, again, another special moment for me because he's my brother and, you know, I, if I didn't play in Germany, I would not have met him. And uh, he's doing great for himself right now. And I'm, I'm so happy for him. That's interesting because the, the club that you played for was in uh, Essen, and it's not one of the traditional powers. But at the same time, you're in one of the top, top leagues in the world, really. Um, right. Take us through a little bit of what you're – kind of one of the things we've heard from Germany is that it's a very physical league. Was that – although you were only there for 15 games, was that your experience as well? Yeah, it was it was it was a very physical league. I can say that. Um, it's very tough. You got to be mentally tough to play in that league. It's a lot of great teams with a lot of great talent. And um, you know, when you're in a league like that, you definitely want to show up because that league can help you along along the way of anything. Honestly, you want to get another job, or you know, saying somebody see you, you know, saying your people were famous for in Germany for being uh, a big time player in that league. So it's just when you out there, you really want to be able to show out. Definitely. Um, so you finish that year in Germany, spend the 2017, 2018 season with a Finnish squad Cobra. Uh, what was your season like in Finland? How did you uh, adapt to the, the cold of Finland? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, Finland was uh, very cold and, uh, again, another special moment for me. Um, I think all these, these, these where I've been is special, but uh, this might be the most special one to me just because of the fact that that's where I actually uh, uh, found Jermaine, Jermaine Marshall. Uh, and Jermaine was playing with Remy on a Finnish team, and we've had to play them. They were, he was playing for the uh, Helsinki Seagulls. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I was with sideline cancer t- uh, to this day is because of Jermaine, and they bought they bought me along the way. Right after the season was over, he told me uh, he wanted me to play with him in the TBT our last game against each other. So, um, you know, my team, I knew my team wasn't making the playoffs. We were we were very close, but we didn't make it. Their team was making it. Um, we had that conversation while they were in playoffs and, uh, it was great. You know, like I said, I did my thing there. Uh, I appreciated the crowd, the fans, the fans were so, uh, loving, even though we were losing, they were just so, uh, passionate about the game and so patient with us. And they knew we had a young core and they, they knew that we were trying so hard and, um, yeah, they would, I, I appreciated them fans to death, but, um, you know, just to play against Remy and Jermaine there, uh, it was it was great. And um, rest in peace to Jermaine now uh, because, you know, he's gone now from us. But uh, I appreciate him every day for that opportunity because without that, without that opportunity, I don't think a lot of people would have known who I really was. Hmm. And we'll certainly uh, get into talking more about uh, your TBT experience. But one of the things I thought was interesting, he commented exactly about what the – the Finland uh what the Finnish fans are like what what is it that's kind of different about them and and how they would you know bear with the the young team and everything like what was it like that you kind of got that vibe that they're very understanding that they're very supportive like how did that actually manifest like in terms of was it uh fan player interaction was the way that they cheered and that they'd show up you know what is it sort of that makes them different or maybe similar to American fans in that regard you know they they we were losing so even though we were losing we were keeping it close with teams that we they that had way more talent than what we had and we talking about euro cup teams we're talking about uh just teams that we just knew we weren't even supposed to be in the games with and if we kept it close you know they appreciated that they appreciate the fight more than they were like okay if you didn't win the game as long as you fought to win that game we're cool with that and that you don't get that everywhere you go. You barely get that in the NBA. You know, if your team is losing the NBA, you're losing ticket sales. You're losing money. Mm. Well, when we were playing, our gym was packed out and we were losing. I was like, you know, oh, I ain't going to be nobody in here today. And you run out for warm ups and like, oh man, everybody's in here today. It's like, okay. So um, they were just more passionate about the fight more than the win in my eyes interesting so sort of one of those experiences where you're you're accustomed more to like don't they know the standings and they're like yeah we know the standings it's just we appreciate sort of what you do and and basically we could see still see that you guys care right right that's really interesting hi i'm shat mckissick and please subscribe to expat hoops on their youtube channel and listen to them on the by george podcast network it's where you can find my interview and many other great interviews peace out
<laughs> Going from Finland, uh, cold experience, you get to go to Israel next. Uh, that's widely not only uh, a good basketball league, but also widely kind of uh, almost everybody has good experiences in Israel. Take us through what your experience was like playing in Israel. Um, it was tough for me. Uh, so, of course, the way I was... set that up is kind of funny, saying just about everybody has a good experience. I shouldn't have <laughs> set it up that way. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was tough for me. I, I, it was like I appreciated, but then I didn't really, I didn't really fulfill like how I wanted to fulfill in Israel. See, and when you're in the second league of Israel, they expect you to do every single thing, and especially if that team is losing. So we started off 0-3. It wasn't like I was having bad games. It just wasn't – we just wasn't winning. So um, before the fourth game, I could honestly feel like I'm about to get cut. And – the fourth game, I had literally – we had practice, and I had ran off – I mean, going off a ball screen, and I got hip checked, and I had caught a hip point. Uh, we had the game the next, the next day. So I'm sitting there icing, putting icy hot on my body, all of that, trying to get this thing out, stretching, massaging it, everything. So the next day – um, we had the game. I end up playing. Uh, we end up playing the game or whatever. We end up winning our first game against a good team. So it was crazy, and I ended up having twenty two points that game on a hit pointer. Now, like, so it was it was very crazy. I wasn't supposed to play, played anyway. I had twenty two points and a win that game. Right. So, uh, me and my teammate, we went out. You know what I'm saying? Got something to eat and everything. And uh <clears throat> I get a call from my agent. And I'm like, why is he calling me this late? And he called me. So I, I, I picked it up and I was like, what's going on? And it was like, he was asking me, like, how am I doing and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm doing good. Very excited to talk to him. Like, yeah, we just got our first win. I'm excited. I'm happy. I feel like we did. Um, you know, it was a tough team and everything like that. He was like, yeah, they're deciding to cut you. I'm like, what? And so he was like, yeah, they just felt like, um, they need more out of a player to do, to do everything. And you weren't fulfilling that. And at that time I was like, well, not only am I, Averaging the most points on that team, I'm averaging the most assists on that team. So where is the issue? And I was just like, at that point, I was just like, you know what? All right, like there's nothing I can really do. Like they they made a decision. Um, and then when I had to talk with the coach, like the coach called me and kind of asked me how I felt about it, and I'm like. How do you want me to feel? Like I'm averaging the most points on your team and the most assists on your team. It's, you know, I, the only reason I'm not averaging the most rebounds is because my big man is getting 20 and 10 every every 
game he plays. You know what I'm saying? So how am I supposed to get the most rebounds on the team if he's snagging them all? <laughs> so uh, to get down like that, I, I mean, I couldn't do nothing else after that. I was just like, you know what? Forget it. Like, I hope that I wish the best for y'all. And, you know what I'm saying? I was just going to move forward from that. But it definitely gave me that NBA feel. Like, if you're not doing what they think you can can be consistent of doing, then they're going to cut you no matter if if you feel like you're doing it or not. Interesting. Sort of one of those, those experiences, like, I hope you guys find what you're looking for because – I don't know what I don't know what it is you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, it was and, it was a tough it was a tough one. And actually, this is uh, I I actually skipped over um, between Finland and Israel. You spent time in Ukraine uh, in Kiev uh, that season. Take us through what that season was like before you get to Israel. Uh, it was great. I love Kiev, and uh, that's like home to me. Um, the only thing that I say that I didn't fulfill was winning the championship that year. And uh, we lost 3-0 to a great team. They just found ways to win when we couldn't. And mm. But we came in second place in the Super League. Uh, I, I couldn't – it was it was a great year for me. And I was one – I think I was leaving the leading scorer on that team. And – uh, made a name and statement for myself. So uh, that was a great year for me. I, I enjoyed that a lot. So on the court success for sure, but well, to a point, obviously in the end, but at the same time, you can't win them all. Um, right. But you're saying it's like a second home to you. Why, why was that such a great stop for you? Um, you know, I'm asking the question essentially as a lawyer, I, I might know the answer of how good of a city that is. Uh, but is in city. your words, <laughs> what makes it such a great city to play in? Or visit. It, it's it's just it makes you feel like you're in the states. Um, honestly, Kiev looked like New York to me from where I was at. You know, when you go downtown Kiev, it looks like you're in New York. And so, um, I found one of my favorite spots to eat at. I found one of my favorite spots to just walk to. Just you know, what I'm saying just the build. It was just a great feel of a city that a lot of people that uh, that played there that I know, even uh, one of my good friends, he's in Turkey right now. His name is Bruce Massey. He was in Kiev last year, and uh, he's from my area. Um, from He's from Germantown. But uh, he played in Kiev last year. And, I mean, he didn't have a, a great season at Kiev because they had a coaching change. But at the same time, he always said, man, the city is just love. I wish I – all the cities can be like this. Yeah, actually, there is the Germantown connection there. Um, so interestingly enough, though, after your Israel experience, you go back to the Ukraine, but with a different club. What made it different the second time around, um, if at all, from the first time around? Or was it something that you were just like, you know what, I know what to expect, uh, even if it's a different different town or city. But was it take us through the second experience in the Ukraine? Uh, I liked uh, Promete, even though it – Definitely wasn't the same city as Kiev. Kiev is the best city. I promise you it was okay, but it made me more focused on basketball um, and winning games than anything. And uh, that I love that team. Um, we were supposed to win the whole thing, and that's had that's when COVID had just striked. 
Um, so it it downplayed the whole season because we were in third place at the time, but they shut the whole season down when COVID had started uh, coming about. And um, I was mad about that because we had just beat Nipro, who was the number one team in the league. So uh, I've already felt that before. I was already mad. I was mad about that situation because we had already put all the work in. We were coming together as a team. We had all the pieces to the puzzle to win it, and we couldn't even finish the season though because because of COVID. And so, what was your COVID experience like? Um, I know that certain players that we've talked to have said, you know, they started hearing things about, you know, uh, oh, there's something coming out of China. And what was what was your experience like? Not only in terms of hearing about it, but also in terms of okay, once they actually did shut down the leagues and everything, what was your experience like? Was it actually fairly easy to get home? Um, some people we've talked to have had they had some real difficulties. So there's really a question whether they're actually going to get home. What was your experience with COVID like? Uh, it was easy for me to get home. Um, they just didn't know if they were going to continue the league or not continue the league. So it took longer than expected. Uh, but of course you hear a lot of things about uh, COVID or uh, where it came from or this and that. But what was definite for me is when they shut down the NBA season, I was like, our season is done for. Cause that's that's what making they're making the most money, so they're not gonna allow the NBA not to play, and then I mean, and then allow us to play, and we ain't making nowhere near as much money as them. So, um, when that happened, I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and start packing my bags and get myself together, and go ahead and get on this flight and go home, and just get on to the next season from there. Well, it's good to hear that it, you know, all things considered, that it was a pretty easy experience for you to get home. Um, the next season, uh, you get to go to Romania for the first time. Uh, that's actually the last season that you've played. Um, I mean, it was the last season that recurred because we're actually just getting underway with some of the seasons now abroad. Um, get to get to be in Bucharest, Romania. Take us through this last season for you. Uh, it was a good, wild season for me, I would say. <laughs> it was um, – I love uh, Bucharest, Romania. It's the capital. It's you can always find something to do in Romania. The people are are cool. Um, I had no problems in Romania at all. Uh, the crazy thing about Romania when I was there was, you know, we had the coaching change in the beginning. I mean, in like in the right in the middle of the season, and uh, you know, we could just never. Uh, it was like one of the things we could not win games it was it was one of them things where we had the pieces but then pieces started drop, drop dropping because they started getting hurt we had uh jake o'brien he uh i forgot what he did but i think he had towards meniscus or something Oof. uh then we had yvonne um he had a broken finger and two broken fingers and he um he had did something with his neck and went back to Croatia. Uh, so now it was just really the American part of it was just me and my point guard, uh, Kenny Brown. And we did everything we could possibly do to win games for this team. And we just could not win because they just had way more talent than us. And we were a young group of kids. Like, we were a young core. And so um, – and it's crazy because – um now he's looking for a job as well so it's it's like um 
it was just wild. But at the same time, I had him as a brother there, and we made the best of what we can do as possible. And then, um, you know, they they're on on the way with their season, and they they actually picked up two guys from the league that uh that we played against. So it was uh I'm happy to see that they're doing okay for their sales, and uh, I want to see how far they get to. So you brought up something interesting um, again that we kind of talked a little bit about the pod. You know what's next for you? Um, it, currently, seasons are starting to get underway in some places. Uh, you're still a free agent. Uh, take us through what the the process has been like. I know that we talked off the pod that you had one offer that you turned down. Um, what's the process been like for you so far this year? And sort of what what would be your ideal landing spot, uh, whether it's by country or by fit? Uh, hello. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. But um, uh, it's very frustrating. Um, honestly, a lot of people have been asking me uh, to the day, "Why are you still here? Why are you not signed? What's going on?" Like, and my thing is, is I can honestly tell them I don't know, because everywhere I've went, um. I've produced to the to the best of my ability, and then you you know you kind of see the people that are are that are signed and uh and everything like that, and you want to do what's best for your family, and you're just sitting over here having to be patient um until somebody actually uh takes you and takes you on as an accountability for their team, and um but you know you. I just been working out, just been grinding, uh, you know, spending time with my family the best that I can and um just trying to get to stay ready at all costs because I would hope at some point in time it will be it will be coming. Uh I hopefully I'm hoping soon, but I can't sit here and lie and say that I'm happy about the the circumstances because I feel like I'm I'm missing out. You know, when you play basketball overseas for so long you're just accustomed to doing that. Like you're just accustomed to having a couple of months here to be with your family and go ahead out. But now it's like months and months and months is going by. Like the, the preseason starts in August or well, we're in October. You know what I mean? So it's like now the seasons are starting to add up and um, the months and days are starting to add up. And uh, this is probably one of the wildest years for me so far but when i i will say when i do get that opportunity i'll definitely utilize it to the best of my ability and it actually probably does help you a little bit to some degree that you have come in middle of the year or a little bit later on so you can at least say that i've done it before in addition to last season that you're producing at a high level in a in a good league as well we hope you enjoyed our interview with mo creek on expat hoops to make sure you're not missing anything, hit the sub button on our YouTube channel where we post exclusive extras, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and IG to keep up with our latest. And toss us a coin on Patreon if you like to keep us going. For Andy Hoverman, I'm Tony Budney. Tune in next time on Expat Hoops. Expat Hoops.